1: Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael.
2: Well, happy February, and thank you for tuning in to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Well, I'm continuing a mini-series that we started last episode called Commands of Jesus, so this would be part two of that series, And we are exploring various commands that are recorded in the Bible, given by Jesus. So this episode won't record every command, nor will this mini-series go through every command of Jesus. But we will talk through many of them. As we talk through the commands of Jesus, we're talking to pretty well every person that considers themselves A follower of Christ. So you might be a newer Christian, and you're wanting to learn some of the commands of Jesus. Well, this series is for you. You might be a growing Christian, and you're growing more familiar with commands of Jesus or expanding your knowledge of the commands of Jesus, hoping this series will help you better understand and practice the commands that Jesus gives in the Bible. For those of you that are more mature, you're maturing Christians, this is also for you, this series, where you can go deeper and maybe be inspired to dig a little deeper on your own, discover additional commands of Christ and what's happening there. So this is for everyone. And I take this concept about the commands of Jesus and learning them and applying them from one of the commands of Jesus. Recorded in John's Gospel, Jesus said, If you love me... You will keep my commandments. So people that are maturing in the Lord, that are growing in their discipleship endeavors, are people that keep the commandments of the Lord. So what are some of the commandments of Jesus that are, are documented in the Bible? Last episode, we introduced a handful of them. I'll just at least re- uh, connect them with you. The first command we talked about was to repent. And Jesus was at the beginning of his ministry, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One of the commands of Jesus is that we would repent of sin and become a follower of Jesus. And it leads to the next command, to deny yourself. Jesus is talking about if you uh, want to come after Christ, there's a denial of yourself as you take up your cross and follow and the concept about self-denial is that we would highlight or promote or emphasize, prioritize the preferences and desires of the Lord over ourselves. So there's a denial of ourself, a decrease of ourself. The next command we talked about was to seek God's kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we talk about not just repenting and denying yourself, but also seeking after Jesus, so setting yourself aside and seeking Jesus. And last week we ended with a command that said, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And as Christ forms us for his mission, it happens because we follow. We learn that the focus of discipleship is Jesus, but the action of discipleship is to follow. I'm going to continue the conversation on commands of Jesus as I get into the fifth command here in this episode. The command is this, to love the Lord. So Matthew chapter 22 records the words of Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The idea we hear from the command of Jesus is to love him. This idea of love is a is a focus of our affections uh, it's a it's a focus of care it's a focus of loyalty and I, I word it like this love is I would describe it as a willing forfeiture of our rights it's a willing forfeiture of our privileges and desires and and, and we do that forfeiture of what we want so we align with what somebody else wants <clears throat> love and includes performing someone else's desires over our own or or pursuing their desires over our own. Now, as you listen in, you can say, you know, we're not called to be a doormat where we lay everything down to the point that someone can walk all over us. But the expression of love says, I am less important than you are. And that's how we are to love God. This is a command of Christ. It's interesting, I had a learning when I was in college, so i I wanted to show my love for my wife and, and and you'll you'll understand where the learning comes in. We were attending school in Minneapolis, so it was the home of the Minnesota Vikings, and my wife to be my wife now, but we were, we're not married we her, she was from the Chicago area, so was I, and the bears were coming to town and I thought this is great it 's around christmas time ish it's in December. And I'm thinking I could surprise her. I'm going to buy some some Bears Vikings tickets. And we were poor college students. And I'm, you know, it cost me a lot of effort and finances. And and so I I did. I, I give her this gift and she opens up these tickets and she's just has this gaze in her life. And then she reads the tickets and it says Bears at Vikings. And. She became almost indignant, and she said these words that are ringing true here so many, many years later. She said, I thought these were tickets to the Nutcracker. And I thought, you're looking at me thinking the Bears are in town and I'm buying Nutcracker tickets? I guess I had a lot of learning to do. So I now, just for the record, have been to the Nutcracker several times with my wife. But listen to this, not because I prefer it. But going to the Nutcracker makes my wife happy, and it's an expression of love. So when I think about the command to love the Lord, loving God, loving the Lord means that we must respond to his marvelous grace by by devoting all of our affections to God, by devoting all of our thoughts to God, by giving all of our desires and our preferences to by putting those in motion toward what he wants rather than what we want. It's giving God all of our strength, giving our strength to him and and to those things that delight his heart. See, loving God is setting aside our own desires as as human beings, our earthly desires. Instead, loving God is is seeking to please God rather than seeking to please ourselves. It means that we dedicate our bodies to him, And we purpose to lay down our lives for him, the advancement of his kingdom. So we're talking about the commands of of the Lord today, the commands of Jesus. And we're talking about this right now, love the Lord. And Jesus modeled this type of sacrifice. John records these words of Jesus, greater love is no one than this, than he who lay his life down for his friends. See, loving God is surrendering our heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord for his pleasure. It's surrendering ourselves for his purpose. So can I boil it down like this? Loving God means that we detect and renounce every competing affection with the Lord. These might be, be affections of, of, of loving money or things of the world or loving or even our own lives. Because we know that, that to love these things ultimately makes us an enemy of God. Exodus says, you shall have no other gods before me. Exodus also says, Exodus 34, you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous, a jealous God. So the commands of Jesus is to love the Lord, your God. And I'm going to introduce one that we'll talk about more after the break. But the, the next one, number six, is to love your neighbor. It spurs off of loving God. Matthew records this the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to talk about this in the second half of the show about how there's a story Jesus tells about loving your neighbor. It's the story of the good samaritan and I'll I'll just set the stage here and tell you a little more about it after the break. But we know that that someone was beat beaten and a a priest walked by this injured beaten uh man and and did not Meet his needs. And a Levite did the same thing. They saw a man that was in need and they walked by. But a Samaritan saw the need and then went and tended to the needs of this man that had been beaten and left for half dead. Now, Jesus told the story because a lawyer asked him, Who is my neighbor? We we're told to love our neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And so, like to the lawyer, Jesus would say to us, it doesn't matter who you are. It's a neighbor, someone that we find in need and that we help. So Jesus tells the story about loving your neighbor, and he tells it to someone that's inquiring who the neighbor is. Some thought that the lawyer was trying to trap him. Uh, one of the versions of the Bible kind of talk about that with the lawyer. I also wonder if he's just following the letter of the law or giving his heart permission to act the way that he acts. But but he talks about loving the neighbor as an act of how you respond to God. In the second half of the show, I want to expand this conversation because Jesus doesn't just tell the story of the good Samaritan to answer the question of a lawyer or even answer the question of just who is my neighbor. He tells the story to his disciples and, and we're going to talk about what happens a few, uh, uh, you know, chapter two, three before this story and what happened in the disciples' life that Jesus speaks into their life when he tells the story because he's teaching them the same lesson. Yes, love God, but also love your neighbor. So I want you to hang in here because I'm going to go to the second half of the show. We're going to talk more about loving your neighbor. And then I'm going to unpack a few other Uh, Commands of Jesus, as I get through the second episode in this mini-series called The Commands of Jesus. So stay tuned. I want you to keep listening. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And this series is set aside to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life. So hold on, stay tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we're back. Thank you for staying tuned to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Today, we're talking about the commands of Jesus, and we've explored several of them. We're on the sixth command I'm exploring right now. We're in the middle of the conversation. The command is to love your neighbor And if you were listening just a minute ago, we just highlighted or introduced the story of the Good Samaritan and how Jesus was answering a question of the lawyer, who is my neighbor? Uh, But but here's who else Jesus is talking to. He's talking to his disciples. See, Jesus had his uh, mind set to head toward Jerusalem, and the disciples went ahead to make a way for Jesus to go to Jerusalem. And on their way, they went to a Samaritan village. And they say, "Hey, Jesus is going to come through here." They're sort of making arrangements for that. And the 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 Samaritan village wanted nothing to do with it. There, they they basically uh, did not welcome the plans for Christ to come through. And so the disciples said, "It says right there in in the Bible that they basically wanted to to kill or destroy that Samaritan village." And so it was interesting because the The entire Bible is summed up in sort of two thoughts, love God and love your neighbor. So one of the commands that we're talking about is to love your neighbor. And so when a lawyer asked the question about who is my neighbor, I'm curious to know if Jesus chose the Samaritan as his illustration because he was thinking about his disciples who wanted to kill a Samaritan village. And he teaches them, as he talks to the lawyer, he also teaches the disciples that loving other people it's a mark of the faith. It's a mark of Christianity. It's a mark of being obedient to the commands of Christ. In fact, sometimes we obey these commands to love our neighbor because we're serving people, not even Christ. This is the story of the sheep and the goats, and we learn that when you serve even the least of those in his name, you're serving Jesus. You're serving the king. See, it's like this. Loving your neighbor links us with God. Loving our neighbor links us with the mission of God to love all created humanity. Paul writes it like this in 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I wonder, what if we all lived according to that verse? You know, instead, it appears that society today focuses on, quote unquote, me. What makes me happy? My self-expression of how I understand myself today. See, instead, the focus should be on God and helping other people seek first the kingdom of God, where we seek him. We seek him first and we seek his kingdom. And this includes loving your neighbor, knowing that when we do it, God will take care of it all. So I know I'm emphasizing loving God in this episode and loving your neighbor. I just want to talk a little more about loving your neighbor. Paul writes more in Galatians 5, 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor. As yourself. This is an important command. So, we talk about some of the early commands where we repent and deny ourselves and seek God and follow and love God, but there's a shift in this command where we're also supposed to love our neighbor. The faith is not just about ourselves, but showing love for others. When you consider how to practice loving your neighbor, we read Philippians 2:3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourself. Focus on others. So here we go. The commands of Jesus, repent, deny yourself, seek God's kingdom. Uh, Number four, five, six, follow me, love the Lord, love your neighbor. Now I want to get just a little deeper here. The seventh command to explore I'm doing now is called love your enemies. Wow. Wow. I'm glad I saved this for the second half of the show. Matthew chapter 5 says this, Jesus, But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. What we're taught in this command is to love your enemies. And and to do that, we have to remember the, the adage, the axiom that hurting people hurt people. Sometimes people appear in opposition to us or almost as enemies, and it's because they have deep hurts in their life. Selfish people may not have your best interest in mind. People may not like you for many, many reasons. Now, I actually recently heard from a friend of mine talking about a mutual friend who, who said, I'm not really a big fan of Mike. Now, I'm thankful that I don't hear that a lot, but I heard someone say that and I thought, I just can't believe that. So what's my response? I mean, I could say the same thing back. I could try to make myself look good or I can remember this command to love even your enemies. See, what is our response to love your enemy? So I once became a new lead pastor at a church, and there is a staff member um, who may not have declared that he was my enemy, but he did a lot of things to sort of sabotage things that were happening. Now, this, this staff member was a little bit older. He was respected at the church. He had been around for a long time, and, and he said things ab- about me behind my back, and, and they just weren't true. Now I was attempting to keep this tenured staff person on our our team and and uh, he kind of had stepped away for a little bit but not resigned and and so I kept saying hey can you just stay on the team and he just would would say no but he was telling everyone that I was pushing him out and et cetera. Well, my administrative assistant knew knew what what really what the real story was, and she actually had documentation from some emails that we exchanged. and And she said, "Hey, you're preparing for this meeting. Would you like me to print off these emails?" And I said to her, "No, I don't. I don't want that." And she said, "Why? Because you know some of the board members were there, and they're going to say they're they're not not going to know what you did." And I said, "Here's why: because love keeps no record of wrong." Now, I didn't do that to be spiritual. I just kind of fell out of my mouth. It was the way that I thought. But in my heart, I wasn't looking for a fight. I was looking to show respect and love. See, at that moment, because of the power of God, my love was unconditional. Unconditional love is powerful. I may not approve of every decision that all of my children make, but no matter what, I love them, and I love them because they're my children. I am their fan. So the the question is, when we think about unconditional love and loving your enemies, how do we love our enemies? So I have a few practical thoughts on how to love our enemies. Number one, don't argue with them. Don't fight with them. When there's an enemy, don't engage in the conflict. They might be stirring up conflict, but don't stir up conflict with them. Love them. What you should do for those that are coming against you, those that are enemies, is to actually take time and pray for them. Not just that they would change, but pray for their grace and their benefit. Pray good things for them and that God would just bless their life. How do I love my enemies? Model God's grace to them. Give them the grace, even if they're in error, to be in error. Give them grace. Don't judge them. When they fail here's a hard one but when they fail be there for them learn to celebrate with them when they have a victory without any spite these are difficult ways to love your neighbor and this might be worth playing this podcast again later just to hear that list but these are great discipleship points on how to love your neighbor see loving your your enemy has to do with your commitment to God and his mission Jesus, Himself was despised and rejected and gave his life up for all humankind. As I think about this thought about loving your enemy, I want to think about what Paul writes in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Paul writes, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes, in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What we learn when we think about loving our enemies is to bless those. Speak the best for them. Want what's best. Empathize with them. When they rejoice, rejoice. When they mourn, mourn. Live in harmony. Don't cause strife. Don't think you're better than you are. Do the honorable thing. And if you can, live at peace with them. Hey, there's a lot here today. And as we get through this part of the mini series, you might think, I would love to do this, but I need a partner. That's what we do here at Your Discipleship Coach. In fact, we want to partner with you. You can even see if you're ready for coaching by visiting yourdiscipleshipcoach.com and completing our complimentary coaching readiness questionnaire. You fill that out, we would love to support you as your coach, as your discipleship coach. One of the things that you can do to keep us in the forefront is to download the podcast and follow it. Keep listening to this show every single week. I want to thank you for listening to your discipleship coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Today's show has been brought to you by Professional Coach University. Maximize your potential at Professional Coach University, where you can become a certified coach, or invest in yourself through personal development opportunities. Just visit ProfessionalCoachUniversity.com to learn more, and be sure to register for their upcoming trainings. Hey, it's been a privilege to be with you today and talk about the commands of Jesus. I want you to know that I am for you, and God is for you. If God is for you, who could be against you? You've been listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I hope you're encouraged to live out biblical truth in your life as you pursue Christ. You've been listening today on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
1: Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith.